Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, I have joining me sales expert and author, Kay Miller. Kay, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Super excited to have you here, Kay. Your book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, available on Amazon. Um, so be sure to check that out, get the book. And uh, Kay, why did you write a book? Let's launch right in. Why did I write a book? Well. Um, years ago, when I went to college for, for marketing, I came out and I had, um, I thought I was going to be qualified for marketing. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm qualified for sales. So this is 1982. I think I've got a few years on you and the job market was really tough. And so I ended up landing a sales job as the first woman ever hired for a company called Amarok. And it was uh, cabinet builders hardware. Division of Anchor Hawking, which you might be as a listener familiar with. Um, and I went on to, uh, you know, be very successful. And then I was, because I was successful in a, in a very male dominated industry, uh, I was hired by another co company. I was not the first woman with this company, but I was one of very few. And it was very glamorous. I sold automotive mufflers and catalytic converters. <laughs> <laughs> so I was calling on distributors and, you know, helping to pull, you know, the, you know, product through even to the auto repair shops and, you know, just the mechanics. And so, I mean, it was really quite the experience as a young woman, um, you know, you can imagine. You know, my whole book is about being uncopyable. Well, it was kind of, it was also, it was a gift as well as a curse, of course, to be, you know, a woman in that industry. Well, uh, a few years later, after working really hard, I was awarded the top sales salesperson of the year, territory manager of the year is what they called it. So I had the highest sales in the nation among, you know, a, mo a mostly male sales force. And I'll tell you, I never would, you know, when I got out of college, I thought, oh, I'm going to work for Procter and Gamble and sell beauty products, <laughs> you know, never imagine myself kneeling, you know, looking through old mufflers on a garage floor, trying to figure out which deep ones were, could be sent back for defects. So, uh, but, you know, I really loved it. I fell in love with sales. You know, I, most of the people I worked with, which were men were very good to me. You know, I of course have a few stories, but but overall, they were just great. And so fast forward, um, my husband and I decided we we're going to start a family. And at the time, both of us were traveling. And even though I had um, a ter my territory was Washington State pretty much, but we went out of state a lot to help other man territory managers with projects. And, you know, I would bring them in for my territory, too. So we were both traveling and one of us had to stop if we're going to have a family. Right. So Steve had started, my husband had started his own business marketing company and speaking. So we thought, wouldn't this be great if I, we, we worked together? So 
I know this is kind of a long answer, but uh, it was really a great deal because I got to be, we only have one child. She's going to be 30. I can't believe it, but um, in a month, but you know, she was a golfer and very active. Um, she ended up playing golf in college. So I was really able to be part of that, her world and, and, you know, have the best of both worlds because I worked with Steve as his, you know, marketing and salesperson. So I'm basically pimping out my husband well, there you go. <laughs> all that yeah. time. So, so meanwhile, Steve wrote some books. First, we were focused on the trade show market. Then um, he wrote this book called Uncopyable. And all our, both our books are a mouthful. How to Create an Unfair Advantage Over Your Competition. That book is focused on marketing, branding, and innovation. So when that did so well, it became number one on Amazon. Um, the publisher between Steve and he said, well, this would be great to apply this uncopyable philosophy to sales. Kay has this really strong sales background. So I wrote the book and, you know, it was really, well, I should say, I'm not going to lie. It was fun, but it was grueling. Oh, I <laughs> it bet. was grueling. I and bet. so many people have said, oh, that's great. I should write a book. Just like people say, oh, I should be a business for myself. Right. And oh, I should learn to play the piano or, <laughs> you know, something that's easy. <laughs> and I have a writing background. I did a lot of freelance writing um, here and there, parenting humor and stuff, but it's still really tough. But I'm very, very happy with the book. It's it's really resonated. Um, and I do have the benefit of having so many stories. So my whole book is story point, story point, including my foibles and you know missteps but also what it took you know what i've done over the years in various positions to be a number one salesperson now, now what is different about your sales book versus the plethora of sales books that are out there what makes your book unique well that's a really good question um i think that one of my answers probably the biggest answer is that I've heard it said that this is the most fun sales book you'll ever read. And there are so many sales books and I've read all of them. Oh, I was a huge Brian Tracy fan, you know, and, and all the big guns, right? I don't know that the information is really all that different. It's how it's explained, you know, and I've got books that are, you know, a lot of compilations, a lot of salespeople, you know, with their, you know, but it's kind of the platitudes and the, you should do this and you should do that. Whereas I, you know, I tell a story for every point. So to help you remember it. So I think my book, it has, does have some new information. So I'm not going to say that it's all the same stuff, but, you know, people will might say, oh, I've, I've read or heard this before. And what I like to do is challenge them and say, but do you do it? Because, right. oh, you know, if you have kids, I know mom. Yes. Does that mean you're doing it? Right. <laughs> you need reminders and encouragement and hearing things in new ways. Yep. And that's so important that it's not enough just to know about it or to read about it, but you got to do it. Right. Exactly. Kind of like we all know what we should eat and how we should exercise. And <laughs> we don't always do. That's right. It's much easier. So I know what to eat and what to do, but yeah, the devil's in the details. Um, Tell me about how you structured the book, because I think that's, you know, when you create a book like this, I imagine you put a lot of thought into that. Can you walk us through the, you know, how the book is structured? 
you know, I will. And, and, you know, I think um, my experience as a student helped me with this, you know, because a lot of this is organization. And, and when you think about, you know, I'm sure you're the same way, you know, how are you so successful at what you do? You know, you do it and a lot of it, you're on autopilot, but then if someone says, well, break it down and teach me and show me. So uh, basically this is a great tip for anyone who's putting something together, post-it notes. In fact, I'm now developing a course based on the book and my whole <laughs> behind the scenes, I've got the whole wall lined with post-it notes, which you do have to add tape to or they fall off. But, you know, I really went through the book in sections like what, you know, mindset, fear, because I think anytime you're really pushing yourself, even if you're experienced, even if you're very experienced, when you're really going through the big going for the big fish and pushing yourself, there's some fear there. So I talk about the mindset, you know, getting through fear. Uh, I talk about the uncopyable sales philosophy, which is really a win-win, you know, door-to-door salespeople have sold me everything from cleaning supplies to one time I was pregnant and I had really bad acid indigestion. This guy came and sold me a crate of grapefruit and oranges. And my husband's like, why did you buy that? I'm like, I don't know. But, you know, they're one and done. It's gone. So so the sales that we deal with, oh, I'm sure everybody listening is a relationship that you want them to buy more. You want them to buy again. You want them to refer people. So that is, you know, I go through the, you know, the attitude, but then I go through the actual strategies. One of them is, as we talked about just before the call, how to get in the door. You know, we like to say it uncopyable, look at what everyone else is doing and don't do it. Because if you want to get in the door and everyone else is reaching out on LinkedIn with an unsolicited message or emailing or, or you know, cold calling, you have to be different. So I talk about getting in the door and I do have a giveaway that we can talk about and you'll, you'll hear about, about actual things that I've used and others have used. So then I go through the sales process finally to the closing, which in my book is actually a very short section because it's not about the close. It's about getting to meet those needs till ideally the customer says, I wanted, I want that. I need that. Right. Right. I like how you structured it in terms of, uh, or I really appreciate it when I went through, you basically split the book into two sections. With section one are all the things that you need to do before you even make contact. And because exactly. that is, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff you have to do in there. Can you break that down a little bit more for us? Well, you know, I think the mindset is really huge because sales, you know, is not only do you deal with the feet the fear, but you deal with the rejection. Now, I don't really get into the logistics of how to fill your pipeline and, you know, have prospects, you know, but right now you can watch what I do because I have a book that my publisher has invested in and guess what the next step is. They want me to sell this book. So I am selling this book. And the way I'm doing that is to provide something that I hope will be very valuable. And, you know, I'm really over delivering in that. And if people are interested, I will get them to what we call raise their hand. You know, I've done cold calls I'm actually pretty gutsy with it, but I don't like it. And I don't, you know, it, it's not really the most effective way to sell. So um, it's much better to, you know, get the interest of your prospect, define that. That's a huge part of it too, because 
opportunity cost means that for every moment you're spending on a prospect that isn't really a prospect, you're wasting time dealing with somebody who is. So really defining your market, who you want to do business with, and then getting them to raise their hand. And we call our, our target market in this uncopyable framework, the moose. And you can see my big picture of the moose behind us, um, behind me. And all our clients, I have a mastermind, different groups. We, without even thinking about it, if we talk about, oh, we want to present this or you know, some promotion or some package, the first question we all say is, well, who's your moose? Before you know who your moose is, you can't really do anything. Yeah, that's so true. One of the things I really liked about your book was the section on developing your personal brand. Um, you hear a lot about um, developing your brand promises and, and it's always from the perspective of the company or what you're selling. You took it deeper and went into your personal brand promise. Can you talk about that? Well, yes, I can. And, and you'll notice I'm wearing orange and all our books, all our products are orange. Um, when we mail something, it's orange. So, so that is, you know, really doesn't make me uh, better necessarily, or, but it's memorable. It is so memorable that we have clients. In fact, I don't think I have it right here, but somebody just sent me a really nice pen. This is not it. This is a cheap little Sharpie, but a really nice orange rollerball pen because they say when they think of orange, they think of Steve and me. And, you know, one of my friends recently said, you know, Kay, she, we've been friends since seventh grade. You don't look that great in orange. And I'm like, well, too late now. That's right. We're committed. <laughs> yeah, I'm committed. And, uh, you know, in the old days we had, oh, here is my pen. Hello, I have it. Yeah. There it is. In That's gray. very nice. Um, and so in the old days we had multiple colors. Uh, we thought, well, we're just going to go with one. We asked our daughter, Kelly, which one do you like? She said orange. We went with it. So that is a simple thing that I have encouraged people to do. You could, if you're crazy enough, pick a color and go big. You know, my Apple watch, I always have orange on. So it's a differentiator. And I recently, I told you, I went to the speakers conference and they said, if a client or customer of yours or prospect would describe you what three words would they say about you that they couldn't say about anyone else? And I have those three words, moose, uncopyable, and orange. So that is my brand. Now, of course, I have some great stories in the book that, you know, I, and of other people, as well as what I did to just really knock it out of the park. You know, you'll read in the story about how I learned how to install a muffler and I was, you know, covered in sweat and oil and you know welding mask because I wanted to know what the customer was going through I wanted to prove myself and show them I'm not just you know some college kid that's just like okay I'm going to get this job so so there there are your actions but also I challenge you watching this to say okay what would be the three words that would describe me that wouldn't describe anyone else I love that um, because it is, it is all about standing out in a very big crowd. Um, you mentioned, you know, one of my pet peeves is uh, LinkedIn engagement. Um, it seemed to be the hot thing during COVID. Um, and it just, um, there's, 
the approaches, everything that I'm seeing there, it's it's the same. Um, there's really nothing special about it or unique about it or um, it's just noise. Yeah, it is noise. And I did something just a few weeks ago that I'd like to share on LinkedIn. And I want to go bigger with this. Um, it just kind of happened, but we wanted to get new blinds for our house. And I'm sure you've heard of Budget Blinds, the franchise. So I had seen signs in the neighborhood and I called the Budget Blinds owner and he came over. He was awesome. We ended up getting blinds for one level of our house and he really was the least non, the least salesy person, salesperson I think I've dealt with. He said, what is your budget? Because even though we say budget blinds, we would, can work with a low budget or of course what we went, the high budget. Yep. <laughs> and, but he said, but I will give you the choices within your range, right? Well, when he was done, we were so happy. I called him, I said, we want blinds for the downstairs and we want window treatments for the whole house. So he came back, he got a huge sale wonderful to work with. LinkedIn, here's where this ties in. I was wanting to write a testimonial and help him out. And also I love to find stories about uncopyable salespeople. So I wrote an article in LinkedIn on LinkedIn and it's, it's practically a love letter to, to he and his wife. And it's so, it's absolutely true. So I sent that, I tagged, I sent it to him and he said, can we share that with our social media? And in the article, I said, yes, what you did was fits exactly what I talk about in chapter three of uncopyable sales. So he wants to share that with his network. I tagged budget blinds. So I'm getting all kinds of budget blinds people, you know, other franchisees saying this is great. And I still I'm going to still keep pushing this. So how, what do you think of that for using LinkedIn with a twist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That it's again, it's not about you're not making it about you you're making it about, you know, someone else, but you're, by doing that, um, it, it's just a different approach. It's about pulling people to you as a versus, you know, versus you chasing after people and saying, connect with me, connect with me and uh, talk to me because I can help you and I can solve this problem. You know, it, it's just, you're shifting everything on its head. And it's still a win-win. I mean, I use oh, the yeah. phrase win-win in the book and I know that that's an old phrase, hackneyed phrase, but, but it's so true. I mean, I can help them and I want to help them. And this will help me too, because of my, my book is mentioned. And, um, you know, and I thought, you know, who else can I look for in my business connections to say, gee, can I write you a book review? Instead of me always saying, will you write a book review? Yeah. You know, and then naturally, you know, it's the reciprocation. You want to help people that help you. But it's also, like I said, it's just a win-win. So opposite to what you just described. I just hate that. Oh, I yeah. hate it when people reach out to say, oh, I noticed, you know, and they have this little, you know, blurb that they supposedly checked you out. And it's just, we hate that. If we yeah. hate it, everybody else is going to hate it too, right? Oh, yeah. And it's the same approach. We have some connections in common. So I thought I'd reach out. Who? <laughs> it's like the people that knock on my door and say, hey, we're installing gutters at one of your neighbors. So we thought we'd stop by. And I, I'd love to just say, really, who? Yeah. And just have that blank, um, oh, it's a house over this way. You know, I know everybody who, you know, and it's like, come on, be authentic, be real. Talk to me as a human. Right. Know? 
That's funny. We did, I think it was last summer, just get a blank mailing. We'll be in your neighborhood working on, you know, whatever, cutting yeah. trees or whatever. And, you know, I mean, if they send a mailer and get people to raise their hands, that might be their strategy and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's got to be authentic because yeah. we can see through that. We're not idiots anymore. I don't oh, know if yeah. we ever were. I probably yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh I mean, like you got to do the effort. You got to you got to put things out there. But you also there's no silver bullets. There's no uh, magic wand you can wave. You have to do the hard work. And you talk about that doing the hard work that, and you kind of emphasize that throughout the book. Can you talk more about that perspective and how that developed in your own career? Well, I mean, I think, gee, you know, thinking back even to being a kid, you know, I I touch on a couple of the few of the entrepreneurial pursuits when I was a kid. Well, when we were kids, it wasn't the cushy lifestyle, right? <laughs> I mean, my daughter is a millennial. And she's like, I hate it when people say millennials are lazy, you know? And she actually is a very hard worker. She works in outside sales for Maui Gym sunglasses calling on golf courses. So, you know, you certainly cannot, you know, generalization up generalize the generations that's a tongue twister yeah. um but you know i think as a kid you know i was a hard worker i was you know good good kid i got in a few you know got in some trouble here and there went to washington state university which is a huge party school um but i was just a hard worker i have a good work ethic and i remember i i still this is kind of weird because it's been so long ago but I still have the reviews that my bosses wrote for me years and years ago. And that was one of the things that they said, I, she's a good communicator and she has a really good work ethic. And, you know, you just can't get ahead in life if you want to slack. So I just don't think anybody listening to this podcast, taking the time to want to learn and grow and be better. Um, I, I know that anyone in your audience does want to work hard and they want to do do well by the people they're serving and um so it's just really work ethic is important you know keeping your word i talk a lot about trust building and i i still i can never get over the fact that when i call sometimes people will say thanks for getting back to me in fact oh, yeah. and, and not only as a, a salesperson but I have been, you know, being on a lot, I'm on a lot of podcasts and I had reached out to someone that, you know, helps people get on podcasts. Well, I went with someone else, but a, a week ago or so she emailed you. She said, you know, we haven't talked. Are you still interested in this? And I said, I responded right away. I said, as a matter of fact, I found someone else. Thanks for following up. That's a really good sign of a, a sign of a good salesperson. She was just amazed that I took the time to respond and it took me 30 seconds. So, right. No, I tell you, it's that's uh, um, another way to stand out. Um, I remember I uh, was watching some sales training a while back, and uh, they talked about the speed of response. That you know, if someone's reaching out to you, it's because they're expressing they need help. You know, and the quicker you respond, that is a way to differentiate. And the person who was presenting shared a similar story where they were like. You know, they made it their mantra. If someone was hitting them up on their website, they were going to respond within 30 minutes, if not sooner. Like they wanted to respond right away. And more often than not, whoever submitted that request when they actually started that conversation, they were like, I am amazed at how quickly you responded. You won't believe how many companies I've reached out to and I never heard from them. 
That, I know. I love that. That is great. And what an easy way, you know, people are looking and looking, where can we get the advantage? And you're saying that it can be as simple as responding right away. And it doesn't even have to be, and here are the answers to all your questions. It could be, hey, I see you, I hear you. Same thing when you're shopping and the, you know, the person working at the checkout stand just ignores you instead of saying, hey, I'll be with you in a minute. You know, that's huge. Just the little things. Yeah. Just saying, hey, how's your day going? You know, connecting on a human level before you start the pitch. That that's another one of my pet peeves where occasionally if I know it's an answer call, I'll answer just because I want to hear the pitch and see how they do it and that's kind of smart. critique. And I'm amazed how many times people just launch right into a pitch without asking a basic question of, you know, is it okay if I take five minutes of your time or you know, asking permission or you know, trying to engage with me as a human. I'm going right in. I've got my little window. I'm going to take it and I'm just going to start my pitch. That's, I mean, and you know, one way it might be to think about, would you ever do that to a friend right. or even a client or is somebody you respected? No. So no, no, no bueno. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, I heard, um, uh, a person I was talking to for, yeah, asked her to present at a, a, a learning event I was putting on and, she was really, really good about engaging over LinkedIn. And I asked her, I'm like, what is your strategy for engaging over LinkedIn? Because people generally suck at it. And her response was, I talk to them on LinkedIn as if like we're at a cocktail party and I'm just meeting them for the first time. I wanna know who they are. I wanna know their background, where are they from? What are they interested in, blah, blah, blah. I wanna know who they engage with them as a person and I'm gonna take my time. I'm not gonna rush into the sales pitch. It may take three weeks for me before we even get to the sales part of the deal. And usually it's the person I'm engaging with that brings it up, not me. And I'm like, that is brilliant. You know, I mean, that's really, again, doing what you talk about here in the book, you know, that it's really separating yourself and making it a win-win, making it about the relationship as opposed to the sale. Exactly. And, you know, another saying that we like to say, my husband loves to say, his name is Steve Miller, by the way, not the rock star. Steve Miller, his books are <laughs> awesome. And he's, he's your rock star, right? He's my rock star. People say, is he the Steve Miller? I'm like, well, I think so. But, you know, as far as what we're talking about there with, you know, talking too much instead of listening or being interested Um, I think that's being brilliant at the basics, which Steve loves to say, but I also think that's comes under the cat, it fits under the category of things that we know, but we don't do. And sometimes we don't do that. And it's, and I understand because as salespeople, we think our solution is just the best. It's fantastic. You know, it might be that we really want, you know, we think this person needs it. So it's not always because they're schmuck and they want to cram it down your throat. It's just, we've got to be aware of, you know, that human connection. Oh yeah. It, again, it's people buying, right? And exactly. uh, so you got to connect at that human level. Um, if there's three things you want people to take away from your book, what are those three things? Three things. I you have one, I have one all ready to go here. And I think it's a great one. I'm going to start out with that because sometimes I get to three and I can't remember the third one. So um, one thing I I mentioned kind of briefly in the book, but I think it's so powerful. 
And that is to call at least one or maybe more of your current customers and just say, hey, can you tell me in your words why you buy? Because they know your product is what more expensive or takes longer to deliver, whatever the, the objections you might uh, come across. They know all those things, but they decided to buy you anyway. So I think it's so worth, and you know, people love to talk and teach and explain. And if you call a customer and say, will you tell me in your words why you buy me from me? Um, I think you'll get some just absolute gold. Um, the second one is think about what your brand is. Can you come up with one or two or three words that would describe you that would not describe anyone else? We have a client we just love and he's very quirky and he is a ketchup fanatic. He is known for going to Ruth's Chris and they have to get court in a bowl. So it's all fancy, you know, it, it, he's got this little quirky thing that he kind of runs with and he'll send keychains with ketchup bottles on it and, and different things. So it doesn't always have to be, oh, listen to the time that I, you know, walked across broken glass to deliver my product. You know, it can be something quirky and memorable. And then the last one, which I'm a talker, I know how hard this is. And, you know, podcasts are fun because I actually get to talk. But listen, you know, especially when you're negotiating, when you're giving someone to think about, be, don't be afraid of silence. Don't be afraid of silence. I mean, when we intro this podcast, you said we're going to be quiet for five seconds. That seems like a long time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So, um, but people can be thinking and they, and don't, you know, don't buy it back. Don't buy back the sale. Think, you know, listen and don't be afraid of silence. That is my personal struggle. My personal demon is silence in the sales process. Um, you know, that's where the anxiety comes in. The fear comes in the, uh, you know, because what are they thinking? There's all right. this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot you can do with your brain in that little period of silence. Yes. How did you overcome that as in your career as a salesperson? Well, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I still haven't. Hmm. I still haven't totally overcome it. You know, knowing, like I said, knowing is part of it. Doing is, it is different. Um, I'm not perfect, you know, and for anybody listening, if you think I am a perfect salesperson, even when I got to be number one, oh my gosh, I had disasters and fixing things and getting up in the middle of the night <laughs> to yeah. chase trucks down. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, that's why I love the people that are in your audience who want to learn and read and be reminded because we all have a long way to go, I think, including me. So I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm better and better and better. And if I live to be a hundred, I might be really good. Let's squeeze one more topic in here. Failure. Um, you talk about failure in the book. And that it's an essential component. It's not, it's not one we like as salespeople, but it's part of being a salesperson is failure. Can you talk about failure? Well, I mean, there are all these, so many motivational quotes. I think I use Michael Jordan, you know, you don't, you don't hit any of the shots that you don't take. Failure is definitely part of success. And the more you can raise your tolerance for failure, um, the more you'll succeed. You know, it's a numbers game. And so, I mean, I've got a lot of tactics or strategies I use in the book, like affirmations. Music for me is huge. I do yoga, Pilates, things to get my mindset right. But, you know, there's also a very famous book, Go For No. I mean, every no you get takes you closer to yes. 
So if you want to read my book and, and, you know, I can dive into what has helped me, even um, taking, you know, risks and feeling strong in the rest of your life, you know, like I say, I work out, I do things that just keep me feeling good about myself because sales is lonely. Even if you're in a company like I was, these people are your competitors, right? So it's a solo endeavor for most people. Um, so you just have to wrap your head around it and say, you know what? The more no's I get, the more yeses I'll get. Got to play the long game. That's right. I like that. Um, Kay, I really appreciate you coming on Sales Lead Dog. Um, the book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, available on Amazon. Yes, um, wherever books are sold. Wherever books are sold. Um, if people want to reach out and connect with you, Kay, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, my email is k at uncopyablesales.com. So email me anytime. I don't know if I can get back to you in 30 minutes, but I'll tell you what, you know, it'll be less than 24 hours. That's awesome. Let's talk about the special offer for sales lead dog listeners. Yes, I put together a giveaway and I pulled some uh, information from the book. Um, I added some, I put in a whole bunch of pictures and, and examples that I've actually used. You know, one thing I say is send a greeting this, oh, sorry, I should say the whole uh, subject of this giveaway is how to get in the door. And unless you get in the door, you can't make a sale. You've got to get their attention. So I give actual examples of things you can do. I'll give one right now is send a greeting card, um, which is very inexpensive, but I have a special twist on that. I explain more and have, you know, actual examples, photos of examples in that. So I really think it's action, you know, it's really packed with things that you can use. So I hope you get that. Um, you know, Chris, I'll, I'll provide the link. Yep. So uh, be sure to uh, check out the show notes. We'll have all that information there. Um, you can get that special offer at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Um, you'll find Kay's episode along with all our other episodes of Sales Lead Dog. So be sure to check that out. Kay, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog and welcome to the pack. Well, thank you so much. I love dogs, by the way. We don't have any <laughs> currently, but I love dogs. So thank you so much. And thank you to all your listeners and viewers. You know, I really wish you all the best in your sales endeavors. And go Cougs. Go Cougs. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash Sales Lead Dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.